We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. PhD chemist, a punk rock guitar player, and a TikToker with millions of views. This sounds like the start of a joke where they all walk in a bar. But actually, this is one person, one amazing person, who I got to talk to on this episode of Eager to Know. Karen McFarlane Holman is all of these, plus she has a couple TED Talks too. We got to speak about one of my favorite topics, science, and the intersection of science with creativity. So are you in a band? I'm in two bands. Tell me a little bit about that. My senior year in high school, I was introduced to the Ramones and I was like, wait, what's this? Like it was definitely a a game changer for me. I know that you were obviously a science person in high school yes. I can assume okay were you yes. would you call yourself a science geek yes okay where, where were you from where did you grow up I grew up in eastern Oregon very, okay. very rural part of the state okay I don't recall the kids who were into science being associating them with the ones being into music or music that would be outside of normal standard mainstream music right right. yeah there was definitely a shift that happened with me because before then i was just more of the science geek and maybe you know some other hobbies but not punk rock at all did getting exposed to punk rock did that change your trajectory as a person Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> really? Tell me about tell me about that. When you start playing punk rock, you don't have to be a virtuoso. You don't need to know music really well. It's more coming from the heart. It's more of a visceral experience. And a lot of times, especially if you're writing lyrics, you are expressing yourself strongly in a lot of ways that some people don't necessarily appreciate or some people do because it's the way that they're feeling deep inside and sometimes they're afraid to say it in that way and you're using this strong language or just saying things how they are it's about being real i just i didn't know who i was which was normal i think for a lot of kids as you're growing up and you're you're trying out different things but i was definitely trying to fit in and I definitely didn't want to rock the boat and I wasn't someone who was very good or knew how to do any kind of confrontation. And so that helped me a lot in that way. I was very excited when you agreed to come on the podcast because as we shared in the pre-interview, I love science. Um, I don't do it. It's not really in my life anymore, unfortunately, but it's something that I really fell in love with around fifth grade, and I don't really get to talk about it. Um, I want to know about when did you get activated by science and when did you fall in love with science? Mm. Science has been a part of me since I can remember, and my first memory 
I've talked about this several times, but I'm going to tell the story again because I love it. And that is when my dad came in to tell me a bedtime story and he asked me what book I wanted to read. And I was like not interested in reading one of the books that I'd read a million times over. I wanted him to explain to me all about the digestive tract of our dog shag and he did he got out paper and pen and he described the entire process of when shag eats food and where does it go and the intestines and just everything and i loved it i was always so curious and i loved being things being explained but then also trying to figure things out i was probably about five or six years old then but I was always interested in scientific stuff. Wow, five or six years old. So that's like first grade. Mm -hmm. I didn't get activated with science until fifth grade with Miss Letizia. I'm realizing this now that I was an extremely curious kid. And I think what excited me about science, and I remember specifically learning about atoms, protons, neutrons, and electrons, and how everything is made up by that. And I thought that was fascinating. It made complete sense to me. I didn't question it. And I was so impressed that there had been adults out in the world who obviously were as curious as me, because I didn't think that, because obviously for someone to figure all of this stuff out, people had to be very curious about the world. And that's what resonated with me. Like people are figuring out how everything works. Yes, I love that. I love that. And I, I actually love when I'm teaching my chemistry courses, I'm a chemistry professor, I love telling the history behind these discoveries. And, and that's one of my favorite topics is the structure of the atom. And exactly that, these curious people carrying out these experiments, what was their thought process? And a lot of times I, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but if you line them all up, you can see how they all fit together and one person took what the other person discovered and then they take the, took the next step. It's fascinating and beautiful. It's, and it speaks to how amazing humans are because all of that was done before computer records you know, before the internet. So people had to, I don't know even know how they were able to take the knowledge that other people had and to build on that, number one. And number two, yeah. the fact that humans, you know, everyone is different. And the fact that there were people that were passionate about figuring out atoms which is crazy. Like, who would even think of that? <laughs> and there were people that spent their whole lives focused on something like that. Humans are just incredible. Because then we also have other people that are like singers and actors, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's very, and it makes up the whole world. And I love the fact that um, humans are so diverse and we all, and that's how we have the world that we live in. Yes, and we are so tenacious. You know, you think back at those people in the, we're talking early 1900s when the structure of the atom, all those ideas were really starting to come together. And they had to come together and meet in person. They had to type things up. I don't even know how they typed back then and then print them out on paper and distribute them and how slow that process happened. But they were helping on making it happen, and it did. It did. The knowledge got distributed, and people learned from each other. 
I want to talk about creativity as it relates to science. Someone asked me a question on this podcast about creativity in engineering, because I went to college for engineering. And I think my statement was, well, there was no creativity in undergrad engineering. We all kind of just did what what we were told. And, you know, the way I kind of looked at undergrad, where it was calculus, chemistry, physics, sci- you know, science foundations, then we got into maybe stuff that's a little bit more sophisticated, like, uh, you know, thermodynamics, um, material science, things of that nature. But the way that I process all of that and did at the time was all of the hard work had already been done. And all I had to do is understand all the hard work that somebody else did. So to me, there was no creativity involved and it didn't even use the part of my brain that is creative and is like the really hard part. Because again, all of the work has been figured out. Now, if I had been given a writing assignment, you know, a, write a short story, to me, that would have been super hard because now I have to figure it out. I have to invent it. I have to create it. Um, so that's a lot coming out of me. What do, you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm staying with you. So this is how I see it. And that is that it is more of a challenge to be creative in science early on. Because, as you just said, you're spending a lot of your time learning things and pretty much copying the process. How does it work? What am I supposed to do? What's the calculation? What are the properties? And putting it all together and you're assimilating. So Correct. And there are answers in the back of the book. So, yeah, right. so there's no answers in the back of the book when yes. you get a creative writing assignment. Yes, exactly. So I agree with you that early on, it's a lot easier to just go hog wild and tell some wild story that you're making up in a creative writing assignment as opposed to your chemistry homework. So this is where, as you keep going though in engineering and physics and chemistry, whatever you're doing that's more scientifically based, that you really need to understand those fundamentals. How do things work? Because we're following the laws of the natural world there there are some restrictions there so you could write a science fiction novel and you could maybe you know bend some of those rules there although the scientists might not like it if they're reading it but you can have some creative process there but this is where it does get fun where i really love the the creation the creativity that does happen with science is that is once you do really understand the confinements of it. And then you can now begin to bring in, okay, now I know what I'm working with, you have the tools. And now how can I create this magnificent thing? And this is where the discoveries come in. And this is where beautiful engineering comes in. Because it now becomes more difficult to be creative because so many things have been developed and invented that you need to think even more creatively to be able to bring new things into the mix. This reminds me of artists. They say, I'm an abstract artist, but I went to school for fine art 
and I learned all the rules and now that allowed me to break the rules. It, it kind of yes. sounds very similar to what you're saying. Very, very similar. Yeah, I love that. I agree. Now, I know you do YouTube videos, and mm -hmm. that is obviously a creative way of getting your science out to the world. Tell me about that. That sounds really fun and interesting. It is really fun. So I do it with YouTube, also with TikTok. And I will say TikTok. Oh, here's a, okay, here's a great example of confinement. Okay. So I started creating videos on TikTok and at that point I didn't have enough followers to be able to go beyond one minute. So I had to create a video that expressed my ideas within 60 seconds. And this was right around, it was, oh gosh, May of 2021. And right around then there were a lot of people saying that they got a vaccine and it was then causing their arm to be magnetized so that a magnet would stick to their arm. So, uh, you know, in terms of the vaccine, I, I am never publicly going on and saying what you should or shouldn't do, because I believe that health issues are a very personal thing. So I don't go around saying anything about that. But because I am a chemist and my expertise is in metals, and I've done a lot of, in fact, my PhD had to do with iron compounds that are magnetic. I felt really strongly about what these people were saying, because in all of my, at this point, 30 years of chemistry knowledge, that would be physically impossible. It'd be breaking the rules of the scientific world for that to happen. So I had to, within 60 seconds, express this idea in an interesting way. And that was challenging. It was very challenging for me, but I had a lot of fun with it. And apparently so did the 2.2 million people who <laughs> watched the video at this point, uh, because people were, um, wow, it, it really pre pressed a lot of buttons for sure on that one. <laughs> wow. So what was that like? Like when did, what is the experience of getting mm. that many downloads? Like how quickly did you realize it? Mm. Yeah, well, I so I posted it on an afternoon. And the next morning, I woke up to 44,000 views, and hundreds of haters, people calling me stupid, and all sorts of other insults. And I have to say nothing like that had ever happened to me before. And so this is so you just had 44,000 views on YouTube. And you these are just YouTube co comments. Uh, this is on TikTok. Oh, on TikTok. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So did this fill up your email or is it just on TikTok? The comments? These are, these are the comments on TikTok. Okay. How yeah. did that make you feel to see all that? Like when you first oh. saw that, what did that feel like? It felt, I felt nervous. I felt defensive. I felt, uh, I felt attacked and it, yeah, it didn't feel good at all. <laughs> so, um, and I will say it took a good, um, good couple weeks for me to, to process it. And probably a, a month or two, it did not affect me anymore at all. I'm curious, Every time I did that. I'm very curious about that. Had you ever had mm -hmm. any sort of experience like that in the past? No. So when, no. when you see all those comments, does that feel like our... Are you, are you thinking maybe I did something wrong? Like maybe they're right. Are you questioning yourself 
or like what goes on in your head? Well, it didn't question myself or what I had created. I felt so strongly about it that it that that didn't get questioned. Um, but at the same time, I did feel personally attacked is that's how I felt. And I didn't know what to do with it. I think I felt also confused and disheartened. And also I thought, wow, what can I do? Like here I was trying to share my knowledge. I thought, I thought oh, I'm doing such a good thing here. <laughs> but I was, I was making other people upset and then they were commenting and then making me upset. So it was a really fascinating experience, I have to say. I remember when I was in high school, my friend would talk about how he confronted his geometry teacher and said, Mr. So-and-so, how is this going to help me when I'm an adult? And that was always the question in high school, like all of the stuff that we're learning, how is it going to help us? And, you know, I kind of have opinions on it, um, but I want to share with you, because you will appreciate this, how something that I learned in college and really science has helped me. I am a big cook. I love cooking. I'm actually starting a new cooking brand, um, but cooking is a big hobby of mine. And understanding thermodynamics and specifically this class that I took in college called heat transfer is the most helpful thing ever in being a cook. Understanding how heat works from a scientific um, aspect is so helpful in cooking. And I just wonder if there are, and it's helped me be a better chef, a better cook. And I just wonder if there are other examples of stuff like that, where things that seem like are very sciencey, how is this ever going to help me in my real life actually do help people? Oh my gosh, there's so many examples. So if you look at, and it, I would say it's more of an appreciation of what exists out there. And this would have to do with just learning about molecular structure. So let's say you have a student who needs to take, they're required to take some kind of science class and they decide to take one of my fundamental chemistry courses. And they're learning about molecular structure. And they learn that the water molecule has a bent structure. And they could be, who cares? <laughs> why do I, why am I learning this? Why does it really matter? Water is water, I don't care if it's bent. Well, if you know that water is bent and then you also realize some of the aspects of how electrons are distributed around the water molecule, then you can understand why water molecules attract each other so strongly in various ways and why water, when it freezes, it's actually less dense than liquid water. And that that is an extremely rare property. Most materials on the whole planet and in the universe, when they freeze, when they go from liquid state to solid state, they get more dense. They crowd together and then they are solid as opposed to being a little bit more expanded, less dense, where the molecules can flow around each other like in a liquid. Well, in water, 
It's the opposite. The water molecules flowing around each other when it's liquid are closer together, and then they get constructed into these cages, into these six-sided cages, which is why snowflakes are all six-sided. And they are, yeah, they are less dense. So ice floats to the top. And you're like, okay, again, who cares? I have my glass and I'm drinking it and the ice is floating instead of at the bottom. Why does that matter? Well, if we look at lakes, lakes freeze with all of the ice on top of the water on the lake, but there's still liquid water down below. That allows for all of the creatures, all the fish and everything else to survive the winter. And the, because, and, and the ice mm -hmm. is insulating it too. And exactly, exactly. And you know that because of the heat transfer. <laughs> so we have this insulation on top. We have the ice floating on top. And then we have these living creatures. So imagine if ice were more dense, it would sink to the bottom. The entire lake would freeze. All Everything would die except maybe those little organisms that can survive frozen. But our whole ecology of the entire planet would be completely different. It would affect us enormously in ways we can't even imagine. And if we go even more fundamental than that, the reason why ice is less dense is because of hydrogen bonding. And hydrogen bonding is part of why DNA has the helical structure that it has. <gasps> I didn't know yes, this. And it goes on and on, on and on from there. It yeah. never ends. It never ends. I am planning on, on my new cooking channel, I'm planning on giving a lecture on the low setting on the microwave and at the power setting because nobody knows how to use it. And it's really important as, a, as someone in the kitchen to use the power setting, which goes from 100% to 10%. So I was yeah. thinking in my brain how I'm going to explain this. So I'm like, all right, I need to talk about the magnetron. I need to talk about microwaves, but then I need to talk about how microwaves are um, electromagnetic radiation. So they have a magnetic field and electric field and it just never ended. And I'm like, I yes, could just yes. go down. And so the point is it all ends up going down to like the fundamentals of science. Yes. And Rick, there is a magnificent experiment you can do. It's so easy to do where you can actually calculate the speed of light using a chocolate bar in a microwave. Yes, because don't you see like the distance between the yeah. melting points? Yes. Oh. Yeah, the hot spots and where the chocolate melts and you measure the distance and you can calculate the speed of light. It's oh, amazing. Oh my God. All right. It never stops. <laughs> yeah. I really do think that having an undergrad in science is such a great foundation because, you know, even what I do now with being an artist, being a podcaster, having that foundation, I think is so important because it allows you to understand the reality of our world. I agree. I agree. And I don't feel like it makes you analytical or looking at things with always a critical eye. I see so much beauty. You know, when I look around me and I look at nature, it's amazing. It's incredible. The, the extra layer of beauty that you can appreciate. Yes. Thank you. You said that beautifully. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything specific about the TED Talk that you want to share? Like, that, is there a name of it? Or, or what, what can you tell me about that? 
The name of the TED Talk is the impact of hobbies on career. So it's how your hobbies can infiltrate your career and make you do even better at whatever it is that you're doing, the, the various passions in your life and how they interweave. All right. I'm definitely going to check that out. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has really been fun, Rick. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 